uh, Joe at the National Ploughing Championships and other stories. This is Playback Daily. I'm Carol Moran and here's what you might have missed. Oh, look at that. With the mention of the word menopause, all the men are running out of the tent. <laughs> come back, lads. Come back. It's a very inclusive condition, menopause. You don't have to get it to suffer from it. All the time in the back of my mind, I was hoping, wishing that this wasn't real. This couldn't be my life. Sure, we had it planned. This isn't, this isn't the way it's supposed to be. A 45-year-old man isn't supposed to die and leave two children behind him. Have you checked out the weather forecast? No, I'm refusing to because <laughs> I'm with joy and optimism. And we'll start in the afternoon where the rain was pouring but the crack was mighty in Rathaniska for the National Ploughing Championships for Joe and Co on the Live Line. Hello, good afternoon and you're very welcome to Rathaniska, the Ploughing Championship where the rain is... Well, oh, we're in good form here, good form, good form. Philip Schofield is here, top of the queue. Well done, Philip and Holly. How do you manage it? How yeah, you manage? well, you know, we, we jump any queue.co.uk. Or for the Irish people, it's we jump any queue.ie. It's fantastic, it's great. I jumped the queue for the churros, I jumped the queue for the sandwiches. It was amazing. Great app. And Doc, you came down here, torrential traffic. Oh, Awful. Unbelievable traffic. Funny enough, a truck turned over on the motorway on the way down. Now imagine that, and it was full of Vicks vapor rub. Oh, the stuff you're rubbing here. Yeah, that's yes. right. Yeah. Oh, but true. fortunately enough, no congestion for four hours. Aye, <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. Don't applaud them, would you? Don't applaud. It only encourages them. Oh, yeah. By the way, do you know, remember just saying during the pandemic, I, I bought a greyhound off a friend of mine. You know, I didn't know the greyhound was old when I bought him. Yeah. But I was out walking him one day, and a friend of mine stopped me. He said, "What are you doing with that greyhound?" I said, "I'm going to race him." And he looked at me and looked at the dog. He said, you'll probably beat him. <laughs> By the way, what? for all the farmers, you want to say for all the farmers oh, here? Yeah. Because they're all having a hard time, isn't that right? Yeah. yeah. So, Same as last year. Yeah, so the fella... And the previous year. The farmer, he applied to the... the previous year. He applied to farmer's aid... Every year I've been here. ...for oh, help. Sorry, sorry. He applied to farmer's aid for a bit of help, you know. Yeah, of course. So they sent someone down to find out how he was getting on. Now, he said, before we give you any money, have to tell us, have you any assets? Well, I have a nice big farm, four or five thousand acres. I bought the farm next door, another couple of thousand acres. I had two combines, three tractors. He said, I have about 400 head of sheep, 400 head of cows, he said. He said, I have a brand new house. He said, my wife is driving a brand new W car, and I'm driving a lovely brand new four-wheel, four-wheel drive. And your man, and by the way, he said, I have 10,000 shares in Texaco oil doing very well. Okay. And your man said, you're joking me. He said, you started it. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant, brilliant. Eddie Morphy is here. Eddie, great to see you here. You, 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 with a name like Morphy, you must have yeah. Irish connections. You must have yeah. ploughing connections. I sure as hell do. I'm so happy to be here at the Ploughing Championship. <laughs> yeah. And who do you know? My, my, my great granduncle Frank Murphy, was the Ploughing Champion. And That's right. We come, we come every year, man. I miss it the last couple of years, but I'm happy to be here. Look at all the stands. Everybody's so happy. And Eddie, Eddie, did you, did you go and see Garrett Brooks? Did you I, I did. I went to see Garrett Brooks, man. I love Garrett Brooks, man. He, he's amazing. I mean, he loves the country so much. He's saying he, he's saying he loves Ireland, but listen, he loves it, but he loves the money too. He made 30 million for next year. <laughs> he loves that money. Just like when people say, well, Eddie, when are you going to make a comeback and stand up? I like that, but I'm going to do some kids' movies and make 20 million from that. I don't care if the reviews are bad. <laughs> <laughs> Katie Taylor, talking about Garrett Brooks and, and um, Croke Park, do you think you'll ever get into a tussle in Croke Park? Well, you know, I actually did last week, Joe. Last, what happened? What happened? I mean, I, unbelievable. I couldn't believe it, but I was, I was queuing up at the burger stand just outside, you know, enjoying it, you know. Just just got in time for friends in low places, which, thank God, you know. But, um, 
You know, these two rude people skipped no. me in the queue. Skipped you in the queue? Yeah. And I, I couldn't you... believe it. Yeah, the blonde-haired woman, grey-haired man, uh, British accents. Um, you know, they looked familiar. I think I see them on the television every morning, but um, I couldn't make out who they were, but it was an absolute disgrace. Did you get have a tussle with them? Ah, uh, no, no, I have to refrain from that, you know. I and just talking about I the queue, like, right yeah. in. Well, hang on, there's David. David Beckham. Yeah. But, 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 but why did you decide to do the 12 hours in the queue? It was a magnificent gesture. You know, listen, I felt that it was a need to do it, you know. Um, I, I think the best thing about it, you know, that Victoria gave me permission to queue for the 12 hours. That was the biggest plus. But, you know, I just did it. I was, I was happy to see Her Majesty the Queen. It, lo it looked like, I mean, my hair looked absolutely terrible. And, you know, that was one of my biggest concerns. I went home straight away, shower, brill, cream, all of that, you know. And Roy Keane, you were, you were watching it on. It was a 24-hour feed. And what do you think of David Beckham's performance? Was he, he held shit. himself together nine hours. You know, no, 12 hours. Be Beck's a good actor. He's you a know, good actor. No, he's a good actor. You know, listen, you know, you should show the cameras, you know, show the personality. Yeah, that's Bex, you know, listen, there's a reason why he's a good player, you know, some of these modern-day players, you know, they, they're not like Bex, but Bex is an actor, he knows how to play to the cameras. I see you, hang on, just, oh, sorry, sorry there, David. Gordon Ramsay has come in. Gordon, you're, you're on one of the stands there, Gordon. Yeah, OK. What do you, how, what? How, how would you describe the food here at the ploughing? <laughs> well, how would I describe the food? Yeah. What am I supposed to say? I'm supposed to say it's terrible. I haven't even tried it, for God's sake. <laughs> I don't have time to walk around. It's all mucky everywhere. I don't have Wellington boots. What more do you want from me, Duffy? OK? We're live on radio. It's during the day. I can't swear. What do you want me to do? You idiot sandwich. What is wrong with you? Joe and Cole at the National Ploughing Championships in Rathaneska from the live line in the afternoon. And on Today with Claire Byrne, Evelyn O'Rourke was taking a look at the long, long list of events on offer for Culture Night. This is such a joy, Claire. I mean, this is the night where we, you know, get back on the streets, the artists, the musicians, everything. After two years of COVID, it's a community that's really kind of suffered, as we know. Tomorrow night, they're back out and they want everybody to enjoy it. It's just going to be a, a joy, I have to say. There are over 1,700 events on right across the country. So I'm going to try and fly through a few of them. Grab your pen. I'm going to be begin with one of the big projects, which involves free stuff, which is always good. And this is called the Read More. This is gorgeous, right? So passengers on trains and bus stations across the country will be gifted a free book by a book conductor from two o'clock onwards and even more exciting on some trains there'll be a book trolley on board laden down with books from Irish authors gifted by the Arts Council to celebrate their 70th anniversary. Oh, I wish that happened all the time. I know, it's brilliant. <laughs> Such now, a clever idea. There will be people who will like to read quietly. There'll be others who like to get their hands dirty, especially children. Any recommendations there? Uh, absolutely. Look, I'm going to only talk about events that require no booking so I don't know about you. I'm always a bit of a lastminute.com merchant and I always seem to miss the booking slot. So creative places, for example, in Tume and Galway, they're inviting people to drop into screen printing session with printmaker Kate O'Shea. So bring a T-shirt or a bag or something to print on. That's on the town hall there and that's suitable for age six upwards. No booking starts at four. Build with me and the moon. I love the sound of this one, actually, starting at five in Collis Sandus House in Tralee. Now, in this one, you're invited to think about your future town, very on trend, using recycled materials and children are encouraged there to think about sustainability. And then another fun event. Did you want to run away to the surf? 
circus. Well, now you can learn how to juggle uh, there in the uh, head to In Your Space Circus, which is taking place in Waterloo Street in Derry. Now let's flip down to the other end of the country in Limerick. A few surprises lined up in Limerick and some unusual venues yeah, too. I love these unusual venues. For example, Head to and Shan Relic, also known as Michael's Graveyard from Half Five for this event, where it's called Events in Spiritual Places that People Have Forgotten to Visit. It's a spoken word event, lots of mystery there. In Limerick too, the 90s band, people loved the Hitchers Go Back in Time with an event called Pencil Drawn Punk, exploring their story. And in the beautiful Hunt Museum, the really ambitious, gorgeous sound and vision exhibition there. The sound bit needs booking, but the vision is for everyone. There's also other stuff happening in amazing locations like this, right? You love this one in Cork. The culture buses. You can hop on a bus, right? And there'll be a poet or a writer on board reading and delivering their spoken word performances. And that bus tour at the Twist starts at seven. And another fascinating show, a theme actually that's very strong this year, is highlighting charities work in this area. And a place that I have a particular fondness for, the Tipperary Traveller uh, programme there. They are uh, presenting an exhibition of the work that Francesca Hutchinson there has been doing with Traveller Children. That'll be on the Turles campus as part of the Technological University of the Shannon. Am I convincing you yet? You certainly <laughs> are. And I like the idea of well, as well of just wandering through yes. your town or your city just to soak up the atmosphere because there'll be plenty to see too. Plenty. This is the point. Like all those little corners, keep digging into them. Like many of us love junk couture that students get to do, you know, fashion designs from recycled material. Well, in Monaghan, they've taken over the windows there in the NCBI shop to show off their fashion designs. Up in Guidormer in the gallery there or in gallery Longford this sounds gorgeous part of the festival of cultures right Ukrainian street artist Alina Vorbiova who recently moved to Ballymahan she'll be rendering an art piece that sounds really exciting on the wall of Lovell Brothers hardware store in the town and she'll be working on it all weekend so she says call up and say hello and then in Galway how gorgeous is this Charlie Burns bookshop the iconic Galway city centre bookshop hosts the now traditional culture night literary gathering which invites readings by every author living in Galway who's published a book that's a great place to be on culture night have you checked out the weather forecast? No, I'm refusing to because I'm with joy and optimism. <laughs> That's Evelyn O'Rourke in optimistic mood for Culture Night and today with Claire Byrne. And back to the National Ploughing Championships in Rathanisca where the rain was torrential. Anyway, here's the weather forecast from Finton Fairweather, friends. Hello Finton. there, Finton. Here now is the weather and coastal reports from Met Aaron. There is a general weather alert now in place for thick fog and mist across the entire country. This will ensure that people cannot see what's around the corner as the cost of living continues to rise. This alert is valid for 12 months on all Irish coasts from Martinhead to Varadka Head to Ryan Head. There is also a small crafty warning in place. Now the meteorological situation at 1400 hours. Low pressure emanating from gas pipelines across Europe will settle in over the country in the coming months. High pressure, however, is currently in over Ulster. Despite this and global warming, there is still no sign of the protocol melting away anytime soon. This will result in a frosty atmosphere in Ulster, and so an orange warning remains in place despite a warm front from Europe trying to establish itself over the area. <laughs> and now the coastal reports issued at 1200 hours, Thursday the 22nd of September. Department of Finance, visibility moderate, one hectic Pascal, 4.2 billion euro surplus, rising slowly. <laughs> Social housing, from Malinhead to Mizzenhead to bloody hurry-up foreland, 
visibility poor, 8,700 units rising slowly. Port Leash, house rental prices, visibility moderate, 1,000 euro a month, rising rapidly. <laughs> Energy bills, visibility good, they're everywhere, 900 every two months, blood pressure 140 over 90, rising rapidly. Leinster House, visibility poor, a right shower, wind and hot air, 166 TDs, could be falling rapidly. <laughs> Boy M50, visibility 8 miles, 110,000 vehicles, 20 kilometers per hour, rising slowly. Minimum wage, visibility all across the land, 125,800 recipients, 10 euro 50 per hour, rising slowly. <laughs> and finally, Dublin Airport, visibility good. You can see the mountains of lost luggage. <laughs> customers, customers like thunder, shouting at 75 decibels, 4,000 suitcases, rising rapidly. Well, that's all from Mehrena for now, so back to you, Joe, in the studio. Joe and Co. at the National Ploughing Championships in Rathaneska from the live line in the afternoon. And on the Ryan Tuberty Show, the importance of hospice support and coping with loss. Sarah Kiley was talking about becoming a widow at the age of 39 when her beloved husband Damien died in 2018. So I had just finished my leave insert and decided college wasn't for me. But I did want to kind of go down the road of going into trade or craft. So I decided I wanted to be a chef. Damien was working in the industry um, as a chef anyway. He was six years older than me. So he went back to college to get his formal papers, I suppose, yeah. formal education as a chef. And um, we met on the first day of college. I remember vividly, actually, he was sitting at the back of the class. He always said I was a bit of a nerd and I was sitting at the front of the class. <laughs> <laughs> he still used to call me a nerd even 20 odd years later. What a um, compliment. Yeah, yeah, I, I'd take that. Yeah, I'd take that. So, yeah, that's how we met. Um, we, first day of college. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It's fate, isn't it? If you believe in that, it really feels like that. For, yeah. Front of the class, back of the class, two worlds collide. Yeah. What was it about him that was so striking? He was, he was a bit giddy, a bit of a messer. Yeah. And I was a bit, obviously a bit straight laced and okay. had my uniform pressed and was always, you know, because we had our chef's whites on. And yeah, so it was his smile, I suppose, really. He was, he had a great smile. And you brought what he needed to your world and what you needed to his world and yeah. vice versa. That's we really terrible. complimented each it other, I have like to it. say. It sounds yeah. like it. You got together, you stayed together. You had two gorgeous children, Emily and Tiernan. And yeah. I'm bouncing along because your story really brings us to why you're here today in some ways and mm. and what happened to you in October 2018, which really is yesterday in your world. Yeah. Would you like to take us there? I mean, or could you? Yeah, in 20, on the 13th of October in 2018, the world for me ended, absolutely ended. And I don't think I'm back to myself yet, even four years later. It's just when you're with someone for that long, we were together for 21 years and you grow up together and you grow up with each other and you evolve into a couple over time and you go through ups and downs like any other couple. But that day I thought my life was over. What happened? Damien died on the 13th of October. Um, it was, I knew it was going to happen, but nothing ever prepares you for that. Yeah. He 
he was very, he kind of knew as well towards the end that he was going to die. And it was very difficult. It was a very difficult time in our lives. But I know that he had a good life because he told me that. And, you know, we had a, a wonderful life. And I'm, I can only say now that I'm a little bit grateful because I don't feel grateful a lot of times. I'm not surprised. But, what, yeah, because I think we've been given a raw deal. Do you? I do. Snatched, I do. snatched away from you like that. Yeah, yeah. From you and the children. Yeah, Damien worked really hard. He worked really hard all his life. He was a very good person. He'd, he'd always do you a favour. He, You know, he was a good neighbour. Who are you talking to or about when you discuss that raw deal? Who's the other side of the deal? Well, we would have been quite religious and I'm still religious and it's very hard to accept that someone in the prime of their life who had so many plans, uh, who worked so hard to get to a point in their life where we were comfortable enough to be able to afford a holiday, to be able to treat ourselves every now and again. And then... Like to sit, I remember one day vividly actually sitting in um, St. Vincent's Hospital with Damien and he said, will we go down to the chapel? And things started to go a little bit pear-shaped around that time. I'd say it was maybe August, maybe late July, early August. And we went down to a small little chapel in St. Vincent's Hospital and we went down there and we sat there. And I remember that being one of the most difficult parts I could we we'd we'd pray together, do you know, like not we weren't we didn't we weren't mass goers per se, but we were religious and we relied heavily on on our faith during that very difficult period and Damien always prayed to Saint Anthony and I still do. But I remember sitting in the church with him that day in Saint Vincent's and he was he was actually praying to God, please let me live. Please. Yeah. Give me a give me another anything. Go. D- tell me what it is, whatever it is. If I have to have chemo every week for the rest of my life, I'll do it. But please just let me live. And Sarah talked about feelings of anger and frustration. Why us? Do you know, why us? Why does it have to happen to us? And at that stage, the anger is huge. But I was trying to hide that because that's not going to do him any good. Who are you angry with? I, I, I was very angry with God. Very angry with God. And some days I still am. But... Do you have conversations with him like he's a person up the oh, road? Oh, I do. Yeah. Oh, God, I do, yeah, because yeah. uh, he's like wishes. How, how dare you? Is it like that? Oh, absolutely. It was um, a few weeks ago, the light wouldn't work in the bathroom and I was trying to get the, the light fitting off. So I'm standing on a chair, trying to reach on my tippy toes. Mm. And I'm just going, this isn't fair. This isn't my job. This is your job. Now, you either help me or something's going to break. You're talking to God here. No, I'm talking to Damien. Oh, you're talking to Damien here? Yeah. Yeah, it's not my job. DIY is your job, not my job. <laughs> the first shave for Tiernan. Yeah, that was that was very um, difficult. That's also Damien's job. It's Damien's job. First pint in the pub. That'll happen in January and... Not your job. No. No. What, what do you do with all those tripwires, those events? They're difficult to negotiate. Yeah. Some days you want to scream because why, why was I a widow at 39? What's fair about that? Why did Damien have to suffer? Why did I have to fight to get him home? Why do people avoid me now? Um, How do people, I've heard this before, and I find it fascinating. 
How do people avoid you, Sarah? And do do they think that you've gone blind because they can <clears throat> you can see them ducking into the shop I or think it's hiding awkwardness. behind the aisle? Yeah. So, yeah talk to me about yeah. how you approach all of that. Yeah, it's 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 very awkward at times, especially in the first few months after someone has died. That is the hardest part. Your whole world falls apart. And my my reaction to Damien's death was very extreme, to be honest. What does that mean? I wore black for eight and a half months. Mm -hmm. I had a huge physical reaction as well. I couldn't eat. I couldn't sleep. I couldn't drink. Um, I to to kind of sustain myself, I used to drink bovril Mm -hmm. and just have toast. And I thought I was doing fine. I just bring the kids to school, try and get through the day because all the time in the back of my mind, I was hoping, wishing that this wasn't real. This couldn't be my life. Sure, we had it planned. This isn't this isn't the way it's supposed to be. A 45 year old man isn't supposed to die and leave two children behind him. I love your honesty, you know, because people, I think sometimes with the conversations like this, try to dress it up. Oh, no, it's awful. You're, you're going full on. It's very dark. It's dark. And I, but I think that. Grief is so dark. Death is so dark. This is much more refreshing conversation because it feels more real but than a lot of the conversations. But it's very important, that people, I, I, like I always try to say to people and, I, and I've learned an awful lot mm. from my experience and Damien was the most handsome man. <laughs> well, I met well, him. Uh, I, you I, can verify I, that. I, I can verify he was a handsome but devil. He yes. was a very, very thoughtful, yeah. kind person. Yeah. And in the course of his illness, he, he, we had conversations along the way. And as things progressed, it was very apparent that we needed to speak about eventualities. So I think he knew before I did that he was going to die. So he'd talk about pain and not wanting to be in pain at the end. He'd talk about where he wanted to be when he was cremated. So the deal was he was up on top of the mental piece in his urn and that's where he is. And every night before I go to bed, I rub the urn. And just say good night. Good night now. Yeah. And off to bed. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's whatever gets you through the day. And Sarah spoke about the support of Milford Hospice. The staff in Milford Hospice were exceptional looking after us as a family. The hospice was so important to you, I understand, because it meant you didn't have to trek up and down to Dublin the whole time. Yeah. yeah. And it was important for you and the kids. Mm. Um, And I've been to the hospices here in Dublin and they're, they're such sad places, but the staff do so much to make them so personal. And they're comfortable. And comfortable yeah. and not so sad. It's not a hospital setting. No, right. Oftentimes in a hospital setting. You're so right. They're treating, they're treating pain or they're treating illness in a hospice. They treat the person, they treat the family, mm. they treat the situation. What were the most bonkers things people say to you to try and make you feel better about yourself and sounding completely... <laughs> No, I know you're laughing now because I people can say the most bizarre things. They do. They give, say, us, give us the greatest hits. As, uh, as you the see greatest it. hits. Uh, you're still young. A month after Damien died, you're still young. You'll meet someone new. Um, and I haven't, for the record, I haven't. So <laughs> let the record show. <laughs> let the record show. <laughs> a month after. Yeah, a month. Wow, okay. Yeah. A- anything else? Um, just things like you'll get over it. Oh, yeah. It gets easier over time. All those platitudes. So again. Did you get the mortgage line? No, I did. Tell me what the mortgage line is. 
uh, the mortgage, yeah, sure. Aren't you grand? Your mortgage was cleared after he died. What do you do with that? What do you do to that person or say to that person? Well, I actually you... said I, I, I'd happily live anywhere in a box. God forgive me if it ever visited my house. I'd live in a box with Damien next to me if I could have him back in the morning for five minutes. You became um, a councillor. You got elected. I got elected. To Limerick City and County Council. God knows how. Had you not <laughs> suffered enough in life I know, than to I know. run for politics in this country. It's not a very easy well, thing to do. It isn't, but it's very... It can be very hard at times and it is a very big distraction. Just, it, just stay off Twitter. It, you know, it's, it's, it can be other politicians as well, Ryan. Can run you down. Yeah. Well, if, politics if, can be a, a shark tank. Well, if they concentrated on their own job and left everyone <laughs> else do theirs, it would be easier. Will you go for higher office? Will you run for the doll? I'm not quite sure. I'm at a crossroads in my life. My children, Emily is in her last year of college. Tiernan is soon going to be doing his leave insert. I, I don't want to be alone for the rest of my life. And politics doesn't lend itself to... Settling down. Settling down. Yeah. And Damien actually said to me before he died that he would like me to meet someone. And I thought it was... I cried like the rain when he said it because he said, look, you're too young. He said, you know, you've the rest of your life to live. I'm not going to be here. And I, I need you to have a bit of balance in your life. And someone on their own can't have balance. We're made to be together. And I thought we were made to be together forever because when I met him, I was 18 and thought I'd spend the rest of my life with him. So... Well, God had other plans. God had other plans, unfortunately, yeah. Sarah Kiley from The Ryan Tupperty Show. And on today with Claire Byrne, Concussion 101 with Dr. Mikey Collins. Yeah, the brain is like an egg yolk inside an eggshell and the the brain actually moving inside the skull sets off a, a number of events in the brain that causes a concussion. Namely, the membra- membrane of the neuron will stretch and potassium will leak out and calcium will leak into the cell and it causes this energy problem to the neuron. And we've learned now when that energy crisis happens, we, we can different systems in the brain can decompensate. And we actually have learned now that there's six different types of concussions that can occur. And for each of these different types of concussions, there's different symptoms, different risk factors, and, and different treatments, actually. And, and that's the biggest advances we've made is actually identifying proper treatments for those different you know, permutations of the injury. Mm-hmm. And I have children who play sport. And as I'm talking to you, I'm wondering, how would I know that they're experiencing concussion after they've had a knock on the pitch? Well, it's, it's not easy a lot of times. You know, there's signs and symptoms. The signs of injury are a lot easier to spot. That would be confusion, disorientation, vomiting, uh, any problems with balance, um, loss of consciousness. Uh, but the symptoms are actually more predictive of poor outcome. Uh, dizziness, for example, is something the patient experiences. You don't see, but dizziness is six times more predictive than any other symptom in terms of predicting longer outcome from concussion. But the symptoms that we commonly, uh, you, you want to be aware of is, is, is dizziness, nausea, headache, obviously, um, any sort of personality change, sleep problems, fatigue, light sensitivity, noise sensitivity. 
again, there's different types of concussions. There's different symptoms uh, that, are, that are identified for each of those different types. But those are the ones you want to look for. And, and it can be very subtle. Um, but if you see these signs or symptoms after a traumatic blow, um, when in doubt, sit them out and make sure the patient comes out of play. Because we've really learned that this is a treatable condition as long as it's recognized and treated. But for children that continue to play through injury, that's when we can have the deleterious outcomes and, and we got to be really careful with that and making sure kids are recovered before they return to play. So just to go back to what you said there, when in doubt, sit it out. So any knock or blow to the head, are you saying it's time out for that player or it should be? Not necessarily. It depends on if there are signs or symptoms of injury. I mean, you know, trauma can occur and it doesn't cause concussion as well. But yeah, you want to make sure that, that it's evaluated and, and, and looked at very carefully. Um, but the good news is, is there's been so many advances in treatment now. There's things that can be done to treat that athlete and, and get them back to play very safely as long as it's, it's you know, as long as it's recognised and, and managed. But if sitting it out is so important, you'll know, because I know you work with uh, professional athletes at the very top of their game and by the very nature of their personalities and by virtue of what they do, sitting it out is going to be the last thing that they will want to do in a, in a game. Yeah, and I understand that. Um, clearly, and a lot of times, athletes will play through this and, and not be aware that they have a concussion. And and obviously, competition takes over, you know, in the heat of the moment. So that certainly does happen. And one thing we've learned, Claire, we actually just did this study where we looked at a large cohort of athletes where half the cohort um, came out of play immediately at the time that they had symptoms and half the sample continued to play for an average of 15 minutes beyond the point of having symptoms. The patients that came out immediately recovered from their concussion in 19 days, and the patients that continued to play for 15 minutes recovered in 44 days. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's really the athlete is not doing themselves a service by playing through this um, because they're going to miss more time. Um, but, again, it's really important that we educate you know, athletes themselves and parents and, and, and everyone regarding the symptoms of this injury. Uh, but but like I said, this is a treatable event if it's recognized and, and a lot of events have occurred about getting kids to play. And sports are a wonderful thing for our children and, and, and others. It's, it's, it teaches them so much, you know, and, and physical, you know, physically as well as mentally, socially, etc. But we do worry, don't we, about concussion and what the likely long-term outcome is going to be, particularly when we think about sports like rugby. Would you ever suggest that children shouldn't play rugby until they get to a certain age when they're more robust? I, no, there's no data to support that at this point in time. Um, in fact, um, one can argue that, you know, learning the sport early and learning the proper techniques and the proper, uh, you know, skills and, and, and aptitudes is actually can be preventative for injury and, and making sure that they're taught the, the proper way to tackle, the proper way to, to play the game. And so there's not any research uh, that would exist that would support um, not allowing kids to play rugby at this point in time. Dr. Mikey Collins from Today with Claire Byrne. And at the National Ploughing Championships, Joe had some very special guests. It's great to see them here. We'd like to welcome the Healy Ray brothers, Michael and Danny. Where would they be but at the National Ploughing Championship? For a while, for a while there, lads, like us all today, I didn't, I didn't think you were going to make it. Yeah, well, we're sorry about that, Joe. We're sorry we were late, but we were only just back now. The funeral over in London. job. We were just what? back. You look, look, Jesus, Joe, look, we felt we had to go. 
We did. We, you know yourself now, if we didn't show up, they'd all be saying, Where are the other two Jesus not holding the whole thing up? <laughs> they wouldn't have started, hardly have started. Anyway, anyway lads, no, lads, you're, you're, you're very welcome to the ploughing. You're very Listen, welcome. Listen, we don't need any welcome from yes, you at all. Them, no. welcome We're coming here long before you, Mr Duffy, and our father before us. Welcome, welcome to, to the, the ploughing. Ploughing. Do you hear Wouldn't them? he give hear you a pain in your... <laughs> <laughs> that's our that's our tea all out, as you know. Give them a tint and jade. They think they own the place. I know, lads. I was only don't be so prickly. I was only I was only trying to be polite. I uh, well, don't mind your polite at all. Look, you can shove your polite now, and you're free. Our tea guide, the one with Miriam in the cover again. Shove <laughs> that. <laughs> shove that you where the sun don't shine. Shove that where the sun don't shine. Welcome to the plug. Uh, Will you listen to him? Uh, you're yeah. very... What, what, what has you so testy today, lads? You're very testy. What planet are you on, George Duffy? Chisel the whole country is testy. We're all living on a knife. On a knife edge? Stressed out of our minds with bills and demands for payment. Raining, Raining down, down on top of us top from of every corner of the country. The people of rural Ireland now are living in constant dread of the brown envelope with the window landing on the mat inside their front door. The sight of the postman now, as you all know, Jesus is sending fear and terror into the heart of everyone in rural Ireland. They nearly, they nearly see, prefer to see a hearse coming up the boring. I suppose they'd rather see a hearse coming up the boring than see the, po- the postman. <laughs> well, we're advising, uh, before you uh, go any further, uh, one, one, one second there, no one. Yeah. I just want to say here now, whether you're a constituent of mine or you're not, I'm giving you all the benefit of the advice. We're advising all our constituents now who come to the clinics to weld your letter boxes up good and tight. That's right. Ah, no. No. Any well, fella know who hadn't his letter boxes welded up shut tight? We're saying to him, look, look. You're only asking for trouble. Asking You're only asking for trouble. That's very exciting. You can't, you can't blame the postman. I mean, you don't shoot a messenger. I don't know, Joe. You, 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 you heard what happened over in Bale and the Blah. Yeah, Michael Collins, of course. Ah, not at all. That was a hundred years, years ago. ago. No, we no, were no. talking about last week. Last, last week. week. What happened last week? Well, well the abandoned postman. The abandoned postman was coming down. And even from Cork here, who'd know the geography? The abandoned postman was coming down. Where was it, Denny? Crookstone. Crookstone. He was, he was coming yeah. down from Crookstone. No, he pulled in just beyond the monument at Bale the Block. He went back to the van to get out his bag. A shot rang out. Bang. Bang. Oh. And then... They, well, hold on. they shot the postman. No, 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 they didn't no. shoot the postman. You're all for drama, aren't you? All Jesus, the no, That's no. That's all you are. You are all drama, drama. The tyres. With, With one, one bullet, bullet, they took out the two front tyres, Joe. Ricochet. Ricochet had nothing to do with it. <laughs> Ricochet, Ricochet said he's innocent. He's in, he was a suspect. Ricochet was taken in for questioning, but as they say on the telly, he was released without charge. And a file. A file is being sent to the DPP. But, but seriously, lads, can you tell me how, how the cost of living crisis is affecting your business? Well, which business now would you be talking about? <laughs> would, you, would you be talking about our job in Leinster House? No. Or is it the real work? Well, we take the pub, for example. Oh. Also, have any measures there to reduce your energy? We've bills? gone, we've taken mighty trouble. Mighty trouble, lads. Put down pub. on the bills. Mm. No, we're after turning off the heat. There is one, Danny, there is one, one bare electric fire. Yes, but we, we have, have a, a timer. timer on that. We have a timer. timer 
just for the in the corner for the pensioners you know yourself now and we have installed all over the premises now we've installed dimmer switches well well Joe the dimmer switches we might have gone too far because why, you know why, what happened well when we turned so? up the lights after the rose of three Jesus there wasn't an extra lift on the table Twas <laughs> tourists who done it we're not laying any blame on our own no. people of Kilgarvan Twas tourists what done it <laughs> or maybe the car you see, you see. That's from the live line, live from the National Ploughing Championships in the afternoon. And on the Radar C Show, telling jokes to raise awareness and a smile in memory of a very special granddad. Hannah and Sharon Noonan were raised guests in the afternoon. You might not know this, but today is the 22nd day of Worldwide Pulmonary Fibrosis Awareness Month. And someone who knows exactly what day it is, is 11-year-old Hannah Noonan, because she's got a joke to tell every single day this month to raise money for the Northern Trust Pulmonary Fibrosis Support Group. Uh, Hannah and her mum Sharon join us now in studio. Hello, Hannah. Hello, Ray. How are you? I'm good. Thank you very much. You're very welcome. How are you? I'm great. Good, good. Good to see you. And Sharon, how are you? Great. Thanks great. so much for having us, Ray. So you're pure Limerick, Hannah? Pure Limerick. And your mum is pure Belfast? Well, Ballamina. 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 And none of the Northern accent rubbed off on you over the years? No. No, no. Brilliant. No. Uh, now, the reason you're here uh, is because of your dad, Sharon, Tony, and your grandfather, Tony. Yes. Um, who sounds like an amazing, funny man. And you lost him earlier on in the year to pulmonary fibrosis and that's the reason you're here today uh, but there's there's a lovely story you were telling jokes during Covid as well weren't you yourself and Mikey yes. your brother yeah. hashtag joke of the day yeah uh, who came up with that idea um, well it was kind of a group effort really because he loved telling jokes Tony. and everybody loved telling jokes <laughs> so then we were like let's tell jokes <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Right. Uh, And he was your biggest fan, I believe. Yes, he was always sending in jokes and he's like, oh, you should shout out this person. Yes. It's this person's birthday today. Right, Okay. And you did this through COVID to try and cheer us all up. Yes. Which is brilliant, yeah. Uh, And and did he have a a favourite joke, your your grandfather? Yes, I'll tell you that joke Great, great, okay, okay. Hold on now, hold on, I better get everything ready here. Okay, go on, go on, go for it. Knock, knock. Who's there? Isabel. Isabel who? Isabel necessary on a bike. Hey! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, what, he was a greengrocer, Tony was. He yes. came from a long line of greengrocers, yes. Yeah. So, he would have been well known around the town of Ballymena and Brasheen because he had fruit shops there, Devlin's fruit shop. Yeah. And of course, part of uh, being a retailer in a community is that you have to entertain as well as sell, don't you? Absolutely. And he always would have been called upon if there was any sort of a fundraiser going on to donate an oil fruit basket or a few boxed orchids, whatever it was he was asked to do, he always did it. And he was he was a brilliant fundraiser himself for yeah. various different causes. And a fun maker as well. Fun, fundraiser and yes. fun maker. See yes, what I did there? Yeah. But here, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> <laughs> what class are you in, Hannah? I'm in fifth class. Right. And uh, Alana is your best friend? Yes, Alana Callan. So it's Hannah and Alana? Yes. Right. That's that's a, It makes sort of sense that you'd be friends, doesn't it? <laughs> uh, I love your sweatshirt, your, Thank your, you. your hoodie. Tell us about it. Well, um, it says hashtag Kevlar for PF and up here it's the crest for the Pulmonary Fibrosis Trust Group. Right. Yeah. Uh, so it's a joke a day. A joke a day in the month of September. Right. Um, so we've established we're on 
22nd of September, so you've done 22. Yes. Um, you've asked me to do a joke I've done for tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah, you don't have to say it's brilliant, but it probably is. You know, it's <laughs> <laughs> did you look at it? No, we're no. saving oh, it until tomorrow. We're saving it until tomorrow. Right. Until tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. That's my favourite joke of all time. Uh, I don't know if it's anybody else's favourite, but it's my favourite. Always makes me laugh. Always makes me laugh. Um, what's your favourite joke? Oh, this, this is basic now, but don't judge me here. Right. Why did the cow cross the road? I don't know. Why did the cow, the cow cross the road? Because she wanted to go to the movies. Um, we get, we give you marks for topicality because we've been talking about the movies earlier on. Yeah, there you go. Uh, so you asked uh, a number of people to submit jokes as well. Yeah, so Hannah spent the summer writing letters on lilac paper in purple envelopes right. so that they would stand out amongst the crowd of, of uh, posts that people would get. And she wrote to politicians on both sides of the border um, Stephen Donnelly, the Minister of Health, sent a lovely email with a number of jokes in it. Right. She also wrote to a number of uh, sports personalities, including uh, Aaron, Aaron Gillan yeah. from the Limerick Hurling team, yeah. and he sent a lovely email and some merch as well, which is very <laughs> important when you're 11 year old. Um, unfortunately, Jurgen Klopp, the manager of Liverpool, has not responded. Ah, he might, Jeff. So we need to put a call out there if anybody's listening <laughs> yeah. or if you've any contacts. I don't have a contact. <laughs> every organ club unfortunately no no and we're going over to the RTE canteen afterwards to stop a few people <laughs> right, right, right. We, we have a letter here for <laughs> call security call security <laughs> we have a letter here for a man called Ryan Tuberty right, yes, so yeah. we're, we're hoping we might find him or find somebody that knows I'd say him. he has a good few jokes now mm, in his back yeah. pocket yeah well that's Hannah and Sharon Noonan on the Ray Darcy show And on the Ryan Tupperty show, Paul Derrick was talking about Lego and autism from a rainy Monaghan. Uh, in, in, uh, in sunny Monaghan this morning. And tell me, you're, are you being sarcastic meteorologically or are you telling me the truth? No, it's, uh, it's, it's sarcasm, unfortunately. Oh. It's, uh, it's quite a dreary day, but there we are. It's, it's good for the flowers. You, well, you're here. <laughs> nice positive outlook, I have to say. Indeed. So uh, tell us a little bit about, um, about yourself. You, 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 you're not from Ireland originally. No, um, my my mother, my mother's uh, grandmother, uh, sorry, grandfather was Michael Collins from Cork, not the Michael Collins, but he was uh, from Cork and he moved to England uh, in the early 1900s. Uh, so that that's uh, about the limits of my Irish uh, lineage. But I uh, I met an Irish girl called Anna in 1997. Uh, and we ended up marrying 25 years later. We're here in Ireland with our children. And you have how many children? We have five children. Uh, we were, we're blessed uh, with a set of twins unexpectedly. Uh, so we, we, we went from three to, to five quite rapidly. OK, so you got, you got, to, you got to double down on the uh, surprise, if you like, uh, towards the end there. Uh, Indeed. But before we talk about your children, let me just quickly ask you about this Lego model, the likes of which I've never seen before. It's, uh, it's of the final assault on the GPO. Is that right? Yeah, so it's um, I, I built the the, the GPO out of Lego myself uh, for for the GPO uh, probably about 2014 and 15, and, and my oldest son Kieran, who would be autistic, he'd be quite severely autistic, saw a picture um, of uh, O'Connell Street or Sackville Street as it was then, and to my amazement, he built the Metropole Hotel to the the left of it from a from a photograph, and then since then, uh, I built the GPO, and he's he's probably built the rest of the street from a photograph. So what, what, what we've done with that is, is we've put that in a display um, with other Lego fans uh, from across Ireland. And we've, uh, we're doing Lego's largest 
uh, event in Ireland, which is BrickCon on the 15th and 16th of October in the National Basketball Arena in Dublin. Amazing. Did, what, what length is this piece? Because I'm only looking at a photograph. I can't see the context in terms of, say, feet or footage in the... So it's about five and a half metres long. And it's, uh, if you think of a Lego minifigure, that's the scale of it. So it's, it's probably got four or five buildings either side of it. It's got the, the tramway that would have been in there. It's got the trams uh, that were in it. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it's, it's a historical uh, repre- representation of the final assault. Um, I'd say it's accurate because he built it from a photograph and he's not normally wrong when he sees something, he memorises it and he's able to build it. He's fairly talented when it comes to that. Kieran, your son, you mentioned, uh, he was born in 2005. Yes, yes. So, um, so Kieran was, um, was born in 2005. Sort of fairly early on, we, we, we realised uh, something wasn't right with Kieran. He couldn't talk and he, was, he wasn't as mobile as he should have been. And, um, you know, it, it was a struggle for a, a good few years to unlock Kieran, but we, we accidentally found that through Lego and... Uh, Whilst we would uh, would spend most of our time running after Kieran or looking after him, one day when I was building a Lego set to get some peace, he came and sat next to me uh, and spent two hours building with me, which was the, the longest he'd ever sat next to me in his life. And that was probably at the age of about eight or nine. What a glorious feeling that must have been. Uh, it, was, uh, it, it was liberating. Yes. And, um, the, the, the idea of, of, of BrickCon uh, in, in Dublin, I'm, I'm doing it with two of my Lego friends, uh, mm-hmm. Yarrick and Dave. It's all about trying to get Kieran and you know, other autistic builders. And there are other builders who have autism who will be displaying at the show. It's, it's a chance for them to, to show what they're capable of. They communicate. We communicate in, in our way. Kieran uh, and some autistic people would communicate in a different way through Lego or pictures or stuff like that. And that's, that's really Kieran's skill. So we, we've got tickets uh, on sale on Eventbrite. And it's, like I said, it's the 15th and 16th of October in the National Basketball Arena. Uh, and there'll be other show, Lego showcases there. Yeah. So we've got Trim Castle, uh, which is about, currently stands at about 12 square metres. And again, that's minifigure built. Uh, and Kieran would have built the keep on that. So if you, if you want to see what he's capable of, come along and see us. What a, what a great skill, though, to be able to look at a photograph and then, and then put this all together. Um, but also for you to, I don't know if the right word is to bond, or, but certainly to communicate in a way that you simply couldn't have, had, have done with anything else. No, it's, um, yeah, it, it, it's, it was a blessing in disguise. I mean, we, we've, I've got some very good Lego friends. There's David and Breeda Fennell out there, and, and Breeda Fennell would be what's known as my Lego mummy, because when when Kieran was growing up and, and I would take him places, she would look after him uh, and let me sit and have lunch and, you know, say, look, he's fine um, at, at Lego meetings. And, mm. you know, through that, it, we, we, the community's grown and the community's board, the Lego community's borders in. And it, it's a way of, of us, you know, living with what's the new norm for us, living with Kieran with autism, because he's, he's at the stage now at 17 where he's, he's probably at, at his, his, his development-wise, he's probably not going to advance much more than he is, but Lego is the way forward with him. It's about us trying to do something with him, mm. give him a purpose in, in life that's meaningful for him. Paul Derrick from The Ryan Tuberty Show. And on today with Claire Byrne, the four ways to improve your health and lose weight, targeting people in their 20s and 30s. 
with dietitian Louise Reynolds. So the HSE has launched a new campaign targeted at young adults in a bid to prevent them from gaining weight and also promoting healthier habits. It will focus on encouraging people in their 20s and 30s to eat better, sleep better, exercise more and reduce stress. Louise Reynolds, dietitian with the Irish Nutrition and Dietetic Institute, has been casting a critical eye over the plan for us and she joins me now. And remember as well, if you have any questions to put to Louise, 51551. Now Louise, before we have a chat, I just want to to um, bring people a taste of this campaign that Healthy Ireland will be running as part of the initiative advising us to exercise more and to eat healthily. Taco Tuesday on a Thursday. Am I right? Weight gain happens for many reasons in your 20s. But healthy, varied diet is one of the four habits that can help. Learn more at gov.ie forward slash healthy weight. So just the thought of exercise makes me sweat. Weight gain happens for many reasons in your 20s. But regular exercise is one of the four habits that can help. Learn more at gov.ie forward slash healthy weight. So that's a flavour of the campaign. And Louise, we're going to go through uh, the plan and the advice it offers. I know you heard the interview, though, that we did with the bariatric surgeon, Dr. John Keneally. Yes. And one of the things he said, which which struck us here, was that in years to come, that phrase, eat less, move more, that that could turn out to be catastrophic advice in his view for people who are clinically obese. Yes. What is your response to that? Who you 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 use that message, right? Yes, yeah, we do, we do, and but certainly, what the difference is, we would be giving when you're giving general public health messaging. For example, me chatting to you here on the radio, this is not like a one-to-one advice. You know, this is just general advice for people. You know, to try and keep their bodies healthy and well, eat less and move more can be a simple message that people kind of get and they realise they need to be more active. However, if you are living with obesity, you're in a very different situation. And we now know that it's not as simple as eat less and move more for somebody who is clinically obese. There is so much more going on. It is a chronic condition. And I think as well, we need to realise it's not just a matter of somebody not being disciplined or not being, you know, looking after their kind of eating too much and not moving enough. There is so much more at play there. Mm -hmm. And that's why I think this campaign is, is a really good campaign because it's talking about stress and also sleep, which people mightn't really have heard about. And then, of course, genetics is a huge part of obesity as well. So the message is not going to work for everybody. That's simple message because we all have a different genetic makeup. The whole area of science around obesity, just the amount of new evidence and advice that's coming out all the time is really fantastic. Nutrition is a very new science, relatively new science, and there's so much coming out all the time. Mm -hmm. So perhaps we will look back and say, you know, maybe in the future we'll be giving very tailored advice um, for people with different genetic phenotypes and people who have very different genetic makeup. So it's just not one size fits all. No, it's definitely definitely not one size fits all. I mentioned that that campaign, uh, you heard the clip from it there, that it's targeted at people in their 20s and 30s. Why is that age group being targeted in particular? Well, because that is an age group that we know people's life can change quite a lot. You know, you end up having more autonomy or you're in in charge of your own decisions now. Maybe you've left home. You could be finished up with things like team sports that you might do in school. People stop regular activity. They might be going out, you know, partying more, having more takeaways and, you know, being more sedentary with their lifestyles. There's lots of changes going on. And I think this campaign is really just to kind of catch people at that stage and say, look, 
there's more going on here. You just need to keep an eye. And even the the um, the small little snippets we heard there, you know, Taco Tuesday on a Thursday, you know, this idea of relying on takeaways. If we get back to people learning how to cook meals, being more, you know, aware of, look, there are small changes I can make in terms of sleep, stress, exercise and nutrition. Mm-hmm. Um that can help me here because again when you get into your 30s or even 20s and 30s if young women are having babies very often that's a time that women will look back and say I never really lost the weight after I had a baby and if you have two or three children close together that can be a particular time where um, doctors and dietitians working in, in maternity hospitals will find that now more women are coming in to have their babies who are clinically obese or overweight and there's lots of complications associated with that. Mm-hmm. That's not so, to say that we're advocating that toxic pressure for people to get oh back to their God. pre-pregnancy way very quickly. Oh no, 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 absolutely not. Um, but it's just, you know, they're all the different life stages and changes that are going on in your 20s and 30s. So this campaign, and again, it's it's kind of in a, in a lighter tone. It's on social media. It's going to be shared by people. We have, There's a whole team um, behind this who are also young kind of um, people on social media, young scientists who will be able to talk about it. And it's just to give the information out there. It's really preventing, helping people to have the information to prevent weight gain. And Claire asked Louise about the difficulties of losing weight once you've gained it. Another thing that we heard on this programme and we discussed this again with um, John Keneally when we had him on the bariatric surgeon that people almost have a set point for their weight so if you reach a high weight you you're struggling you, you're, you, you're you then lose weight your body is always going to be fight to get back up to its heaviest yeah, yeah that's a very difficult message for people to hear I know I know and it is you know when you look at the research over sort of and this is why we say don't go on the crash diets you know the sort of the the lose weight in a really short period mm-hmm. of time and um, that people might pay a lot of money and sign up to something for a very short period of time. If it doesn't change your your overall habits, you know, a lot of people, I think it's about 95, 94, 95% of people will go back and gain the weight that they've lost. So um, there is the set point theory and, you know, you don't want to discourage people from even trying. You don't want people to throw their hands up in the air and say, oh, well, sure, look, I'm, you know, because we do know people who can make sustainable changes, but it's slow and steady and they do need support. They do need support from, you know, psychological support in certain cases, medical support, a whole multidisciplinary team, nutrition support. It's not just about, you know, oh, well, off you go, eat less and move more. So that's where I think that message is definitely not enough for somebody who's living with obesity. Mm -hmm. So, and we also need to be really, aware and sympathetic and if you're a person who's not living with obesity if you're living in a a normal shaped healthy waist body you know for normal for your you know height and and so on you need to be aware that you know not everybody is the same as you so we all are coming from different genetic backgrounds different socioeconomic backgrounds some people we can walk to a healthy supermarket other people they can't they only have a corner shop which might only have processed food so you know, some people can access uh, team sports, you know, from a lower socioeconomic yeah. group. Less children are involved in team sports than children from a more affluent socioeconomic now, group. You've There's mentioned, lots of you've mentioned there. supermarkets there and you've yeah. reminded me because I saw it myself. The boxes of sweets <laughs> oh. for Christmas are in already. And I, I know. know this drives you scouty. <laughs> <laughs> it really does. Yeah, it really does. I actually just I looked up when I was doing my an online supermarket shop and I saw them all there. And it said available from the 31st of August until Christmas Eve, the 24th of December. That's a third of the year. 
Now, again, a lot of us could say, oh, we just walk past them now. We don't even see them, you know. But again, if you're someone who is living with obesity and, you know, you're struggling maybe to make the healthier choices in the supermarket, if, you know, that is a food that's a trigger for you or if you're if they're in your face that they're so cheap, they're three for five euro I saw in one supermarket. Mm So, you know, I think we really need to have a look at this. We really need to be looking. And I know the Heart Foundation are doing a lot of work around campaigns, you know, not to be advertising junk food to children. Um, you know, Safe Food have lots of information about parents, how to make healthy choices and don't be bringing your children to supermarkets because it's an obesogenic environment. It's really difficult to walk around a supermarket and just get your fruit and vegetables, your piece of chicken, your yogurt and your milk and your Temptation rice and is, pasta is everywhere. and back out the door. Louise Reynolds from Today with Claire Barnes. And Anne Guilty was talking menopause on the live line live from the National Ploughing Championships. Oh, look at that. With the mention of the word menopause, all the men are running out of the tent. <laughs> come back, lads. Come back. It's a very inclusive condition, menopause. You don't have to get it to suffer from it. Yes. <laughs> so it's saying to me. Um, are there any menopausal people in here this afternoon? Yes, yeah. I have to say, there's great heat coming off you. You could fry an egg on you, if you had an egg. Um, but uh, I have to say, um, Joe, you know, you did a wonderful service. Didn't Joe do a wonderful service for the women of Ireland? And I, I've talked to women after the show, and it really meant a lot that you allowed all those women to talk and talk and talk and talk and talk about the menopause. It's like, you know, there was no sex before Gay Byrne and no menopause before Joe Duffy. So thanks very much, Ed. But the thing is, there's so little known about it. Like, all I knew about menopause before Joe introduced the topic was that you got maybe hot flushes or whatever. But Jesus, there's so many symptoms with it. Like, did you know brain fog is a symptom of menopause? That woman there does. She hasn't a clue where she is. Um, just, no, you, you know what I mean by brain fog? When you walk into a room and you're going, Jesus, why did I come in here? Why did... And then your neighbour goes, what are you doing in my house? Uh, and uh, uh, Another symptom of menopause, you know we accept, we just see women getting older and they, they shrink. That is a symptom of it. I see with my own mum. My mum used to be uh, nearly as tall as me. She is the size of a coffee table. Uh, all my aunties are like that. They were fine strapping male women. And Jesus, now when there's a, when there's a, a, a family gathering, I swear, it's like a, a norm convention. Hello, how are you? Hello. And uh, just to be technical, that is actually caused by a fall in estrogen. It results in a loss of bone density. That always makes me laugh, the idea of bone loss. I always imagine a woman coming in from the shop and going, George, I'm going to have to go out again. I'm after leaving a fibula on the bus. <laughs> and Gil D from the Live Line with Joe. And that's it for Playback Daily, so mind yourself till next time.